Hey, welcome to the Healthy Style Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm a health coach and a podcaster, and I'm here to share everything I possibly can to help you transform your life. And I'm here to talk all things health and wellness, beauty, skincare, daily routines, and transformation that will empower you to own your life and become the best version of yourself. So grab a cup of coffee, tea, or green juice and sit back and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. Today we have Dr. Michael Bass with us, who is a doctor of acupuncture and herbal medicine for over 15 years. He has been a clinical director of acupuncture at Sunrise Detox and clinical supervisor at Richmond University Medical Center Substance Abuse Detox and South Beach Psychiatric Rehab. His current practice focuses on OBGYN, women's health fertility, and pain management. And his current research is an epigenetic mechanism of acupuncture, herbs, and nutrition, and their epigenetic applications for early detection and prevention of disease. We talk about a variety of interesting topics in this episode, including all of the benefits of acupuncture, and we also talk about hormones and fertility, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and let's welcome Dr. Michael Bays. Hi, welcome to the show. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So if you can just introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about what you do and your practice. Okay. So uh, as you probably know, my name is Dr. Michael Bays. I am a doctor of acupuncture and herbal medicine. I've been practicing for over 20 years and uh, the scope of my practice is very patient oriented because I have to explain a lot about what I have to do. So communication is key. Uh, but also very sort of evidence-based. Like I I think acupuncture gets lost in this cloud of mystery uh, because A, it's a a foreign medicine that's been mistranslated from Chinese uh, to French and then to English. So I like to focus on, you know, physiological mechanisms of the body and how it helps and how it works. Okay, so let's get into that. How does it help and how exactly does it work? So acupuncture, you have to understand, was a comprehensive medicine in China for a long time. So it does does treat a lot of stuff. So people, it could get overwhelming with the stuff that it treats. But I think what we know uh, off the off the top is that acupuncture works mostly for pain. That's what people know it for, right? And a lot of insurances will cover like low back pain, neck pain, uh, things like that. So the way it works is I've basically broken it down to three basic effects, right? Locally, what we're doing is we're introducing a filament right into the area and we're causing like a small micro injury, micro trauma. Uh, the needles are sterile. Uh, they are one-time use and always thrown out. We swab the area with alcohol to prevent uh, you know, contamination and infection. Uh, so universal precautions are big, hand washing is very big. So it's a pretty safe procedure with minimal side effects, like zero side effects. I wanna say zero, but if very, very, very minimal chance. So uh, by doing that, we kind of we kind of agitate the body and say, you know, here's the problem, right? So we're hijacking the body's ability to heal itself. And we're kind of making the body focus on an area that otherwise isn't sort of like dealt with. So um, then, you know, once you bring the circulation, you're basically, you know, kind of 
fixing things on a tissue level. And this is probably the most important thing. This is what gets the lasting results, right? Uh, then finally, that signal um, travels up the nerve pathway, right? So the analogy I use is like the hot tub, right? When we go in a hot tub, it doesn't stay hot. Our body modulates that, that sort of noxious signal. It does the same thing with the pain. So we call that the gate theory or the diffuse noxious inhibitory control. So same thing is like when you cut yourself and you shake your hand, you're using another sort of like neurological pathway to block the pain. And then finally that signal gets to the brain and releases endorphins, which further relieve pain, but also kind of work on more autonomic stuff. So when you say hypothalamic, pituitary, adrenal, ovarian, uh, fill in the blank sort of access. And it helps the brain communicate with the organs by just creating a little bit of space and letting the body reset. That is so cool. So what, what things do people come to you for? I know you said pain management, uh, before we got on the podcast, we talked a little bit about women's health and fertility. So this is like an all around sort of solution for people? Like what are some of the things that they come to you with and what are the success rates? So the majority of my practice, yes, is, is in women's health. So I do a lot of fertility. And as I mentioned before, uh, by using those effects, uh, we're basically regulating the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So what we're doing is we're helping the brain communicate with the reproductive organs, which we know are pretty complicated between you know, the brain releasing certain chemicals, the pituitary gland signaling to the reproductive organs to balance another four, it gets complicated, right? So one of the things is I like to simplify the answers. Like if we just give the patient some space and some room, uh, the brain will figure things out. But when we're constantly stressed out, we're pumping and releasing cortisol. And when we pump cortisol, we're not releasing gonadotropin hormone, which is really the precursor molecule uh, and chemical in the brain that kind of sets that menstrual cycle. So once we have a regular menstrual cycle, we can have ovulation, we can have menstruation, and then we're back on track, which kind of signals for people, you know, it's time to get pregnant, right? Uh, but furthermore, what we're doing is when we take that first effect, the local effect, right, we're increasing circulation to A, the ovaries, right, B, the uterus. And if we want good function of an organ, we need to kind of improve the organ itself. So by bringing circulation to the ovaries and uterus, you can manage things like ovulation, improve egg quality, or PCOS, right? If we increase circulation to the uterus, uh, we can improve, um, you know, cramping and pain, or we can improve fibroids or uh, endometriosis, because what we're doing is we're correcting tissue, right? We're, we're, create, we're, we're creating a better environment for implantation for IVF. Uh, we're improving the egg quality. Of, uh, you know, and this is, you know, a lot of this stuff is evidence-based, not to get too crazy uh, with the terminology, but we know there's certain growth factors that release when we do acupuncture that create better eggs, create better, you know, ovulation patterns and better menstruation and better, less cramps uh, and get people on a 28-day cycle, uh, which is very important um, because, um, I think in today's society, people are just sort of like in a rush, right? We're in a rush to get pregnant. We're in a rush to kind of like, we go to IVF and we're basically sort of like overwhelmed by the process. And we're being told, you know, you're too old, your eggs are bad, you're running out of time. And that creates more pressure. And then the family's like, are you pregnant yet? So you can see how that sort of like stress and cortisol release will block the release of gonadotropic hormone and then throw off your cycle, right? So, um, you know, that's, that's how I kind of view it with the traditional Chinese medicine and women's health. Now, 
I treat a lot of IVF. I treat a lot of fertility issues, but it's kind of like extrapolated out into like two major patterns, right? Which, which will have a patient who will come in who hasn't had her period. Uh, she'll have hot flashes, night sweats, palpitations, anxiety. She's not in her forties. Maybe she's in her late thirties, but she's been told that she's going through menopause, which isn't the case, right? If we kind of use those uh, acupuncture, we can kind of get them out of that phase and regular and then mm-hmm. in a position to get pregnant because I've, 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 in my career, I've treated women for menopause, you know, in their mid forties who ended up getting pregnant, right? Thinking that they were going, you know, they were going to menopause. We're trying to manage their symptoms, but things tend to regulate. And here, here are women that didn't have children and were going through menopause, uh, ended up getting pregnant in the late 40s. So it's not impossible. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. It takes a lot of work and communication, but it can happen. The other pattern I see are women's cycles who are all over the place. So 26, 35, never really nailed down, cramps, uh, migraines, clots, dark blood, just awful, awful periods. Uh, it's hard to get pregnant on day 14 when your period is you know, from 26 to 32. Right. Mm-hmm. Day 14 is only for women who have a, a regular 28 day cycle. So that's a pattern we treat, but it's also uh, what we see is, you know, young women who are starting out their cycle, have some cramps, have some emotional upheaval. And the answer is the pill and antidepressants. And I'm like, that's not the answer, right? It's about trying this first, not going right down for the, 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 the heavy medication and giving people a chance to come to naturally on their own through balance. So what do you think when a woman like that goes on the pill and the medication, is it messing up their system more? Like what is happening? Absolutely. Well, the women that I see have been on the pill for 25, 30 years and now want to get pregnant. So that's not the answer, right? It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a solution. It's, you know, it's a, it's a bridge, but it's not the destination. So what we have to do is try, and I'm not saying, you know, acupuncture is the be all end all, but it is definitely a conservative, you know, less invasive, uh, you know, uh, pleasant experience to try to manage these symptoms before they become before we try pharmaceutical intervention. You know, one of the things I like for people to take away from this is like, get checked out at your doctor, absolutely. Get all the blood work done. Let's get some information and then try acupuncture second. Not first, second. And then after that, if we fail, you know, we have, um, you know, IVF, we have OBs, we have a medical community. It's integrative medicine. It's not alternative. It's not complementary. The terminology now is integrative medicine where we're all working together, East and West, uh, for the benefit of the patient. I love it. And where do you see, you know, women that have these issues, where do you think that stems from? So uh, I think the biggest one is just stress. Number one, off the bat, it's, it's just, you know, and then also, uh, you know, later on, you know, the biological clock, um, it tends to slow down, but it also needs to be sort of like directed to, to, to be managed and improved, right? It's not the end of the road, but uh, I think stress is the big one, right? We're all working, we're all under pressure. uh, We all don't have a lot of time to manage things. One of the things I see is intimacy is kind of affected, especially once we get the IVF involved, right? People are Mm -hmm. thinking that it's gonna be done in a lab. Um, I, even, even, even with my patients, I, I ask them to be intimate because if the brain in, in the uterus are not getting the chemical and mechanical signals of intimacy, then there won't be a pregnancy. So I tell my patients like, you know, use the IVF as a backup and just go for it. Day 10 to 20, not day 14, 
you know, drop all the sticks, drop all the stuff. You know, one of the things we have a sort of like wives tale is like she adopted a baby and got pregnant, right? Why does that happen, right? Mm -hmm. Once you mm -hmm. get what you need, once you sort of, you know, uh, are, are resolved and relieved and you're, you're, you're kind of like, you know, bonding with your husband, bonding with the child, you're releasing oxytocin, which then regulates, you know, um, the hypothalamic pituitary axis, how the brain communicates with the with the reproductive organs. Uh, but also we're trying to bottle that. Like, how do we get there? Don't, we don't need to adopt the baby. What is it that we need to kind of do uh, to get there? And one of the things I've implemented in my own practice is I take my patients who were successful with IVF and acupuncture or through acupuncture fertility, and I put them with my patients who are kind of going through it. I need them to see like the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, because when you're going through fertility treatments, it's isolating, it's alone, yeah. it, it's lonely, it's, it's, it's uh, stressful, obviously. Uh, so what we say is that we don't, we, you will get pregnant, right? We kind of have to let go of when, and we don't care about how. So whether it's IVF, whether it's natural donor eggs, we're here to help in every sort of stage along the way. We, we're not going to twist arms and say to the patient, no, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. What we want to do is make it easier for them, create an environment, you know, where they can kind of like, you know, when I, it, when people come into the treatment room, I make it very uh, sort of matter of fact that no cell phones, right? Leave the outside world outside. This is your time to heal. It's not about going through your laundry list. It's not about going, figuring out what you have to do, what you're going to make for dinner. It's really about shutting the brain down and giving the brain the space to kind of like reset, right? We call that parasympathetic. And then the other stuff, like you're too old, you're exit bed, you're running out of time. And when are you going to get pregnant? Yeah is sympathetic and you're, and that's not the place you want your brain to be in order to, um, you know, get pregnant. Yeah. So do you give, you know, when you work with somebody, do you give them sort of a to-do list or like assignments to do to release stress when they're at home? Yes, but I don't like talking at people. So when I sit in a room and I start like, you should do yoga, you should run, you should exercise, you should eat, right? I, I don't, I try to kind of run that as a conversation and I ask, you know, how can I help you internalize the information? And that's the point of the support group because, you know, just because I have a, a few bags of tricks that I can do, it doesn't mean that it's gonna work. So I like to put my patients with other people to say, you know, what is it that 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 works for you? You know, I had a patient uh, who said on the day of her transfer or the weekend before the transfer, they took a break, they went up to Boston and they listed comedy and they were laughing the whole way. They were in Boston listening to comedy, laughing the whole time, laughing the whole way back. You know, that mechanism, right? Like laughter being the best form of medicine, you know, laugh, intimacy, bonding, that's going to go mm -hmm. a long way above and beyond acupuncture. But we need to address that. And instead of me saying, you should drive, you know, up to Boston and listen to comedy, I want to kind of open up and see what people are open to. You know, that's right. something you see where people come from a heavy fitness breakdown background. They can't go into yoga. Their brain isn't there. So we have to help them along. But uh, there's a lot of options, not one thing, it's a lot of things, you know, and that's, we can incorporate herbal medicine, we can talk a little bit about that later, but that's a big part of it too. Uh, but also nutrition, I'm not a nutritionist, so we have to have nutrition available. You know, it's like, again, getting back to the isolating, the, the emotional aspect of it, the, 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 the disappointment, you have, at some point, you have to be able to communicate these feelings with somebody, right? Whether it's a counselor, often, oftentimes I offer that, but a lot of times my patients feel that they have the space in, 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 in the availability to communicate uh, part of it, which goes mm -hmm. above and beyond the acupuncture and the herb. So the, the key thing to take away, it's about communication and seeing what the patient needs.
I agree. I feel the instead same of, way with, of, with, you know, kind of yeah. do this, do that, do this. It's not good. I mean, I agree. I agree. When I coach, um, you know, there, I always say there are thousands of things we can be doing, mm-hmm. or I can tell you all of these things, but it's not about that. It's about figuring out what lights you up. And I might, you know, fire off some suggestions, you know, right. that they've never thought about, you know, in terms of, you know, in that area. And it is all holistic. So like, you know, working on your relationship will improve, you know, mm-hmm. so many things by, you know, releasing the feel good chemicals and, and, and all of that. And so it's all connected. How does acupuncture, d- does it help with like mental health? If somebody is, let's say, um, you know, dealing with depression or anxiety, how does it work exactly for that? So my experience in mental health has been in the field of substance abuse, acute detox from opiates. So back in 2005, when I started, we had two separate wings. It was uh, heroin and alcohol. Uh, and then by 2007, all the wings merged because everybody was on pills. So watching the opiate crisis, you know, and everywhere is ground zero for the opiate crisis, Staten Island, you know, New Hampshire, everybody's been through it. So it's very, very sort of insidious and pervasive. Uh, so what I see is that when people are off these medications, they are running the gamut of their emotions. So whether it's anxiety, mostly anxiety, right? So when you're on an opiate that suppresses sort of like the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, the body's still producing uh, cortisol and norepinephrine. So when you pull, um, you know, the rug out by, by taking the, 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 the opiate away, now you have full-blown norepinephrine anxiety. So what I've seen is that the, the endorphin mechanism, the central mechanism of acupuncture really cuts that down. And I've seen it in real time. So when I used to treat, I used to treat like multiple people all the time. So anywhere from 13 to 20 people at once, we do community acupuncture in the ear for a very specific reason. It's not full-on you know, your traditional acupuncture treatment where we go through all the symptoms, we're just trying to pacify the acute effects of withdrawal. And, you know, isolating the patients, uh, and then putting on some, you know, calming music, you see that they tend to, 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 Mm -hmm. to calm down. And I think the reason that is, is because of the endorphins, endorphins sort of cut down on cortisol, which allows, you know, the regulation of dopamine and serotonin, thus getting the, the patient out of the depression. So what happens is when we stress out, right, we produce cortisol, epinephrine, and, and noradrenaline, and we're just kind of rubbed up, we're ready to fight a tiger, right? And then we're fighting the tiger for our hours and hours and days and days and days, and you can only sustain that for so long. So then when we stop, we tend, and that, you know, because we've been, you know, producing those hormones, we've, we've uh, thrown off the dopamine and the serotonin, right? When you're, when you're acutely under stress, you can't manage your symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the time and you're, you're incapable of critical thought. So then we kind of come out of that and immediately we burn out. So if we can intervene with the regular release of, uh, um, you know, um, endorphins, then we can allow the body to bounce out. So over time, we can kind of regulate that and, and help the patient. So if you were to say, if the patient just had, a, you know, anxiety, depression, we can kind of copy that mechanism and apply it to that and say that, yes, it is effective for something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's foolish to say that we can only just do that with acupuncture. You need to have some sort of like clinical counseling intervention along to help your behavior, help your emotions. Uh, it's a great physical intervention, 
but I believe a lot of these things need to be done in hand with some sort of like uh, psycho-reeducational training, like what's causing the depression? What can right. we change in the environment? You know, is there a history of trauma? How are we going to work through the trauma? Are we going into a hostile environment? Do we need to remove the patient from that environment? These are all things that need to be in place. Otherwise, they're just kind of managing the symptoms. And uh, I never really want to be in that situation. So Yeah, it's not really that effective that way. You do need to look at all different areas. Unfortunately, I had my brother passed away from, you know, from using and um it's just traumatic and it just you know i think everybody's dealing with it on some levels i i have friends who have dealt with it um like like their their family members and it's just it's just it's hard you know no i know i've seen it it's terrible you know honestly it's it's uh it's part of the part of the system you know when you hear and you walk away and you hear like tragedy it could have been prevent you know I was in a situation where I was in a, a, a meeting where I was going to do some acupuncture. I was trying to talk to a patient because they were asking questions and there were other patients in the room that were interrupting. And I had a little bit of a meltdown and I kind of realized right then and there that I'm, I'm part of the problem, right? I'm here to manage the symptoms of the opiate crisis when it could have been prevented to begin with and having to live with that frustration my whole life. It's like, how can I change? And I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, I, hopefully this podcast can change some thoughts. Somebody's listening out there and will say, you know what? Let's try this first before we go into some sort of harsh pharmaceutical regimen because despite opiates, all, all pharmaceutical intervention suppresses physiology. It creates yeah. the so whether you talk about blood pressure, your blood pressure can't be regulated without X pharmaceutical. If you're talking about pain, it can't be managed without opiates. If you're talking about, you know, other things, and that's not the way to do it. We can do a lot of work. There's a lot of evidence where acupuncture can help. And at the end of the day, if it can't, believe me, I will send you somewhere that I send my own family. We're going to, you know, a, 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 a community of doctors that are all on the same page. And we're going to look out for your, your best health. When you leave this office, you don't just leave the office. You're going to be, you know, escorted to a, a facility that is going to get the best level of care. That's aware of what's going on, and we're going to communicate. And that's why I kind of emphasize integrative medicine. Yeah, it's it's important. So yeah, I do I do hope that it helps a lot of people. There, I mean, there's a lot of nuggets here. Um, let's talk a little bit about like pain intervention. Um, there's a lot of people that deal with pain. And they do tend to take medicine or, you know, um, what's a, how does a treatment work basically? So they would come to get acupuncture. How long does the treatment last? Um, how long is the session? What, do they have to do anything afterwards? What is the practicality of the system here? So one of the benefits and the beauty of, of acupuncture is that we don't have the fancy machines that go ping and analyze stuff like that. So what we depend on is our intake and our intake is pretty comprehensive because we're looking and analyzing, you know, pain patterns or conditions or disease patterns, right? So, you know, pain is just a symptom of an overall pattern, right? And it's the perfect example is like headaches, right? If we're dealing with headaches, are we talking about you know, stress headaches, are we talking about sinus headaches, cluster headaches, migraines, they all present very differently. And they all come in is when I mentioned before migraines with period stuff. That's where I see the majority of migraines, if people walk in and say, I have a migraine. I said, Well, do you have menstrual stuff? No, where do you feel the headache? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then we have to kind of diagnose because things like say, like your, your, your stress headache that you feel like a band headache, that comes mostly from like upper back, neck and trap spasm that pulls on the scalp and creates tension. And people will feel it, you know, 
in the occiput or in the front, which is right on what we call the urinary bladder channel. So that's like a meridian that we would use to treat upper back and neck pain, right? So if your muscles are tight or in spasm, so let's go further beyond and say you have headaches, but you also have lumbar pain, low back pain. You have that pain in between the shoulder blades that nobody really knows where it starts in the neck or the shoulder. It just kind of goes all over the place. Or we have uh, something like sciatic in the hip that travels and radiates. So with that, what we're dealing with is classically uh, a pinched nerve, right? And how, why is it pinched? Because the muscle goes into spasm. So you have pinched nerve, you have a spasm, you have a trigger point, you have radiculopathy uh, and a trigger point. These are all terminologies for a hyperactivated band of muscles. So whether you're typing all day and you're staring at a screen or you're, you're, you're taxing your shoulders or your neck or you're sitting too long or you're driving too far, all these muscles shorten and, and go into like a state of unhealth. So going and backtracking always to these three effects of acupuncture, we're gonna use the acupuncture, we're gonna introduce the filament, we're gonna increase circulation. But in the case of a muscle spasm or a trigger point, we also wanna shut it off. And we get what's called this phenomenon called the local twitch response, where we deactivate the motor end plate. So what people don't realize is that muscles work like a switch and they think it's like on and off. But there's actually a chemical gap in between that releases acetylcholine and sometimes it gets stuck and it releases and releases and releases. So when we do the treatment, we wanna get the muscle to kind of jump a little bit mm -hmm. and say, hey, stop doing that. All right, and that signal again travels up the nerve pathway, gets blocked in the nerve pathway, right? And that's more like Tylenol patch type stuff. We're just modulating the nerve signal. And then when it gets to the brain, releases endorphins and further relieves the pain. But the real kicker and the winning, you know, the, the touchdown here is that we've corrected the tissue anomaly. We've unlocked the muscles, we've reduced the spasm, we've unpinched the nerve, and that takes pressure off and it's no longer radiating up to the neck and back or, or down the neck to the shoulder or whatever it is. And this can be applied to like a shoulder joint or, or a sack. In, 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 in 20 years of, of treatment, I can say with uh, to 99 degree percent, 99% uh, degree of certainty that acupuncture is an easy fix with sciatica, right? Mm -hmm. People come in and it's all over this, the back of the hamstring, the side of the leg, the quad, the groin, the knee, the ankle, the everything, everything, everything. And really where it starts is in, 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 in the uh, sort of hip girdle where the, the piriformis and the, and the glutes you know, go into spasm and they pinch locally and then it spreads all the way down depending on severity. But once you get to that root and you get that muscle to release, then it takes the pressure off and the and, and, and it's gone. But again, like I said, acupuncture is only going to get you so far, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to implement a, proud, a product a protocol and a strategy. So I have the luxury of, of being involved with the industrial hygiene. So when we used to try to do accident prevention and worker harm reduction, we, we look at things that like what's going on and most of the stuff that's going on is like bad workstation. So if you're sitting all day, you can't do that. We have to analyze what the, the, the problem is. And then I implement stretches specifically for that. So mm -hmm. while you're doing your acupuncture treatment, you're continuing with stretches and the heat. So I, my mantra is like heat stretch, foam roller, stim, right? Electrical stimulant to halt. You do all that when the pain is gone. Now you have the tools to manage it, and we're no yes. longer intervening, right? We're not we're not managing the pain; it's gone. So when it comes back, because once people feel better, they're going to go back to sitting too long and they're not going to stretch. At least they have the tools to say, yep. "Hey, by the way, it's back," and then we can kind of tune it within a treatment or two, and none of this like long term stuff. But it is about implementing like a rehab protocol uh, at mm -hmm. home, a recovery program in conjunction with the acupuncture. Yeah, I love it. So anyone who's listening, check in with your posture right now. I, I tend to do this daily. <laughs> We're both oh, yeah, sitting yeah. down yeah. and um, 
you know, I was, I was a yoga teacher for a really long time and I still practice yoga, mostly, you know, just the stretches. I don't do like an hour long class Mm -hmm. every single day. Um, but anytime I work and I sit for a long time and I create a lot of content and, you know, it's, you just naturally like, you know, hunch over and you're looking down. I have a yoga mat in front, like, um, in my bedroom. And I make sure to like, at least every hour to do like a downward dog and just stretch and do like cat and cow, you know, like all of those little, or whatever I feel in, you know, intuitively to do with my body, but it's usually just like a chest opener. So, um, and I just find that really helpful to, you know, not have those pain points later on, you know, as I get older, because, and, and it's like, it's a simple, you know, takes me 30 seconds, you know, when I go to the bathroom or when I go grab my water or whatever, just, I see the mat. So it's, it's a visual thing. I get on there. I do a couple stretches and then I'm on my way. Like I don't do any like strength training, but it's just, you know, like at that point, but it's just like opening up the chest. So just checking in with your posture daily, you know, um, when we're on our phone and things like that, like I, I see that my, like my wrist, like from my phone, you know, you feel that like little pain. So I try to switch to the other hand. you know, there's like little things that you try to do, but, um, it does make a difference and long-term knowing how that, you know, those little atomic habits, like they just accumulate and, you know, you won't have, you know, I mean, as bad, you know, issues when you get older. So that's, that's my whole vision with yeah. that. You're preaching to the choir. So when somebody yeah. has sciatica, I force them to do pigeon pose in their chair. They're already sitting. They're yeah. Already sitting. Not that hard. Break it up, do pigeon pose. Yes. Out of that. And that's the main one. Uh, neck pain, I do chin to chest a lot. Uh, I keep it simple. They're always yep. adding heat to soften up the musculature. I was a big practitioner of yoga, but like I have my own bad habits that need to be sort of like, uh, you know, uh, dealt with. But I, I, I really, really believe that yoga, at least I incorporate the small parts into mm-hmm. the overall recovery program. I'm a big proponent. I recommend it for everybody. And it's, when I used to do it regularly, it's the best I've ever felt. So, But also breath work right? Like how important is breath, you know, just opening up and, and getting your cells oxygenated and, and Mm -hmm. that alone just can transform your mood and, and the way you end up doing things for the rest of your day. So yeah, exactly. Think about why they tell you, if you're having a panic attack or anxiety, panic attack or anxiety, they're telling you, take a deep breath. Why? It's not a distraction or a pop-up. You need to get more oxygen to reduce the heart rate. It's less work on the heart to, to kind of break that negative feedback loop. Of, of the stress or the sympathetic response. And uh, there's so many great things about breath that, that people- And don't. also it just brings you into the present moment. A lot of times when you struggle with anxiety, you're thinking too much into the future about worrying about something that's not even happening right now, right? So like when you breathe, and I teach this to my daughter, she's five and we breathe together every day. Sometimes if I, you know, I, I get in, you know, if I get into a mood or something, she's like, mommy, just take a breath. And I train her to say that, or to know that. And she'll sometimes have like a little fit. And I'm just like, I look at her in the eyes and I say, just take a deep breath. And it's like, everything shifts, you know? So it's, it's important to do that, um, throughout the day and to teach people, you know, our, our kids to do that as well. It's, uh, it's going to teach them how to cope with their emotions a lot better as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah. How are you familiar with like reflexology? I have like um, a reflexology tool that I use um, for like facial reflexology. Um, do you think it's beneficial? Do you know anything about it? So within the acupuncture system, we have like these, uh, you know, microsystem body maps. So like on your hand, you can do reflexology on the feet. You could do reflexology. The ear is a big mm-hmm. thing lot is ear i wouldn't call it reflexology but it's ear acupuncture right so that's what we do in detox why because the ear is so close to the brain you can access the endorphin maxim mechanism and it's in, in a, in like a really good way to kind of literally knock people out like just get them out cold right so uh, i'm familiar with i don't use it because we have so many microcosm mm-hmm. systems the one i'm most familiar with is the ear i know there's a lot of hand acupuncture people uh, the bottom of the feet are very sensitive, so we try not to put too many needles there. But I can see how it would kind of follow, sort of like your 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 microcosm body map type. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I love it. And let me see if I have any other questions. I was wondering. So I don't really have any medical issues, and if I was to go to you, um, how is there like a health history we would, we would sort of go through and. Um, would I benefit from acupuncture? Yes, absolutely. I mean, in Cal- we have a protocol in acupuncture called the California tune-up, which is strictly on prevention. Like people in California don't wait to get sick. They go, they go once a month, they go oh, I like that. whatever. Some people choose to come once a week just because they like it or it's just preventative, especially if they have a stressful lifestyle. Why wait for the stress to break you down? Just come on in and, you know, take the edge off or t- put your feet up or, you know, seasonally people with allergies can kind of come in and pop in before, you know, March, February when the fourth Cynthia bloom and everybody's sneezing, you know, come in before they start blowing the leaves in the fall and you're breathing in the mold and get your immune system under control, you know, and, and, you know, there's certain terminologies like immunosuppression, but we're not doing that. We're immunoregulating, right? We're kind of immunotropic. We're trying to balance out the immune system. Uh, But it's, it's part of it is like, we're not, we're react reactive as a species species, not, you know, you know, proactive. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're here to help, but if somebody had the foresight to say, Hey, let me deal with this before it becomes a problem. I've also come up with uh, uh, a, a protocol called the Brooklyn tune-up, which is, oh, the California tune-up is face-off. It's done on, you know, the front part of the body. So I flip people over and I do things to prevent, like, you know, the, the, the Northeastern lifestyle, right? The wind, cold, damp brain, the body aches, the back pain when, when the temperature drops, or in this case, you know, goes up too quick and the headaches start. Um, so we work on the neck, the upper back and the lower back. Uh, and try to kind of take the pressure off like the, the, the musculoskeletal system of the back. So mm-hmm. I do that and is a um, session at like an hour long, 45 minutes? Initially with the evaluation, but for the most part, you're 24 to 25 minutes on the table with a brief intake anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes, depending how much you want to share. If something new came up and we need to address that, we'll do that then. But there's always a sort of like uh, mini sort of like reevaluation before the treatment, just to follow up how we're doing, what the progress is, how we're tracking, are you improving? Because you know we don't just do acupuncture; we have other things. We do herbs, we have um, you know body work, we have adjunctive therapies like cupping, uh, heat lamp, moxa, things like that. Is that people have this misconception that acupuncture is the only thing? Acupuncture is part of a system called traditional Chinese medicine that includes like qigong, tai chi herbs, uh, body work, it's called Tui Na, similar to Shiatsu, or what we know as acupressure, that's what Tui Na would be. Um, 
And then adjunctive therapies like cupping, moxa, e-stim, uh, and, and uh, washa, things like that, which are mm-hmm. more like. I have to come in and check it out and yes, do a session. Do. Yes. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to offer you a, a free trial and see, oh, see what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love to try. I think I've done I've done acupuncture once in uh in Europe, which was I was like oh, nice. 20. Um, and it was a good experience. It was a little, we, I was 20 and I was, I was really getting into health and wellness and mm-hmm. like learning all these different things and tools. And I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll try it. And it was good. I don't recall, like, like I didn't have anything that I went in with, but like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good experience. Um, but I would love to try it at this point now that I'm more aware and intuitive and, you know, see how that so would, how did you feel after the treatment? Do you remember? It was relaxing. Okay. Yeah, so was I never real- tell my patients that they're going to be relaxed because I don't want to put the suggestion. I want them to come to it on their own. I want them to experience the endorphin release. So afterwards I say, how do you feel? And they say, relax. Then I can attribute it to that physiological mechanism that does all the heavy lifting because it's mm-hmm. important. You know, when you go into acupuncture, it's foreign, it's different, you know, and it may be a little weirder out there. So I know yeah. that conscious of it so i want to be able to explain to the patient to make it less weird less foreign and more mainstream so that's why i emphasize a lot on patient-centered communication right we need to know what's going on before we we go forward as opposed to just you know kind of you know taking people in and throwing needles in sure i know i know um that makes sense talk a little bit about chinese medicine and herbs and how that plays a role in sort of um, completing that circle for you. So herbs is the oldest form of medicine on the planet. We've been practicing herbs before we were even homo sapiens, right? There's evidence of Neanderthals and homo ergaster or homo erectus using non-edible plants, like plants that you would normally wouldn't eat. And how we came to is that as, as a species, we were sort of like observing patterns, right? We were observing animals and behaviors as a hunter-gatherer society. We were kind of picking up stuff off the ground and putting it in our mouth, trial and error. We were also watching animals eat. So there's evidence where people would watch chimpanzees eat certain plants and then analyzing the reduction of parasites in the, in their stool. So a primitive person would see the chimp eating the, the leaf and would try that. And we see a lot of those plants have, you know, antimicrobial uh, and immune boosting properties, right? So when you kind of do that over the years and you track the medicine, what you see is that, you know, certain plants have certain effects, right? And I like to tell my patients that herbal medicine falls somewhere in between eating properly and pharmaceutical intervention, right? Because a lot of pharmaceuticals do come from plants, but mm-hmm. they extract the harshest, most vile component from it. And, and, and they, that's where they end up causing problems. Now, what, what you realize, and this is something else, this, I have this conversation with patients, they'll say, well, what do you think of uh, curcumin? I said, I don't really think of it at all. It's a component of a whole plant, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at curcumin, it has XYZ pharma, pharmacological property, right? It has anti-inflammatory, analgesic, antiarthritic, all these things that it does, but that's just the one component of the plant. When you look at turmeric as a plant, it has a lot of vitamins and minerals in it, right? It's more nutritious and it has, X, Y, and Z property on top of it. Now, when you take that one plant and combine it with other herbs, 
that do the same thing. Now you have a comprehensive strategy. So what is your strategy? Let's talk about the pandemic and illness. So what do we want to do? We want to kind of like suppress the pathogen. So we have antimicrobial, not antibiotic. We're not going in there and killing everything like a mm -hmm. chicken with an atomic bomb. We're going in there to suppress the proliferation of a bacteria, of a fungus, of a virus with these plants. You know, think about plants. They taste terrible, especially these wild weeds. Kids don't eat vegetables because it's they're bitter, they're nasty. What do you think it's doing? So dandelions, what do you think it's doing to a bacteria, right? It's suppressing it from proliferating. Meanwhile, like take something like green tea and ECGC, we know that it, you know, it, you know, improves, you know, sort of stem immune cells and, and undifferentiated immune cells. So if you're suppressing the virus and your or the, the microbe and you're in, increasing the immune cells, you're technically, you know, fighting off a disease, right? But if you had, that's one plant, if you were to combine multiple plants with different properties, you can reduce fever, you could reduce pain and body aches while you're suppressing the, 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 the pathogen and then helping the immune system fight it. So I always tell people, right, see an herbalist because herbs are dangerous. You don't want to mess around with things like that. They will make you sick if you're being handled irresponsibly. It's not the shiny new toy. People are always kind of pushing the new fad or whatever. So I always say, you know, come do an evaluation. Let's take a look. Let's see what's going on. Uh, and also, once those components are in the system, in the body, and we're talking something about like pain or, you know, egg quality or, you know, cramps or endometriosis, instead of having them floating through the system, let's use acupuncture as like a medical delivery system and, you know, intentionally divert that substance in the blood to the area that you want to treat. So if I have pain, I can use an analgesic herb, I can use a vasodilating herb, I can use an antiarthritic herb and bring that substance right to say a knee or a low back and have a sort of comprehensive, comprehensive strategy and a medical delivery. So that's why acupuncture and herbs really work well together and we can harness that. Um, I talk a lot about herbs. Uh, it's on the, on the channel, the, the uh, you know, my Instagram on the videos channel, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's on Facebook. It's not hard to find anybody when you Google AccuHealth NJ, you'll find a lot of this stuff. And I talk a lot about it because a lot of times people are kind of misled even, yeah. even in the in the field, right? They're told to try this, try that. And maybe that's not right for you, right? Right, right. Let's find out what is and be responsible instead of like, you know, marketing the next shiny new toy. And I've seen yeah. that a lot of times I get patients who got sold in a bucket of supplements and none of them are helping. Uh, and I have to kind of mop up that mess. And the same thing with like multiple, I'm the last stop on the train, right? If there's anything to take away here is like, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Don't come to me after you've had five failed surgeries, six failed IVFs, you know, bad Cairo, bad PT, pain management. Something's going on. And the answer is usually simple. It's either muscular, right? And we need to kind of resolve that. Or you need to kind of improve the way the brain communicates with the organs. And yeah. I'd like to be able to be the second stop after mm -hmm. you've been checked out. Let's look at your blood test. Let's look at the MRI. Let's look at the x-rays. Let's look at all these tests and try to get you the best care possible. And then if we hit a wall, by all means, I will be more than glad to kind of move you down the line. And that would be the right time to do things like pharmaceutical intervention. I love it. I, um, what do you think of herbs like ashwagandha and chasteberry, all of that, like for women? Uh, chasteberry vitex in Chinese medicine, we use for, again, infectious disease. It's an anti-inflammatory but I started, this is where the medicine evolves. Like once you've been told in Chinese medicine what it's good for and what it does, you kind of get stuck there. But if you don't look, and this is why evidence is important. Like here's something else the herb does 
let's harness that power. If it re- I use it a lot for trying to jumpstart and regulate cycles. So yeah. I have these Chase Berry, I use the Gaia brand and I tell people to do it and it tends to kind of help get them uh, on a 28 day cycle. Ashwagandha, I really don't know. So my, my jurisdiction is really the Chinese pharmacopoeia. Whatever is in like the traditional Chinese medical pharmacopoeia is what I know. So I, I don't know much about Ayurveda. I'm sure it probably works along the same lines as Chinese medicine. All these herbs have pharmacological properties. It's very important to kind of like detect and find out what they are and harness those powers to help the patient the best as opposed to just kind of like say, hey, take curcumin, right? You're you're kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Take the whole turmeric plant. There's so much more stuff there that really helps. And and then combine it with other stuff to, to really, really get a comprehensive strategy. So for somebody that has a regular period, um, but mm-hmm. has, um, PMS and, and mm-hmm. what is the other, like the bad PMS, the PT it's not PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a client who has really bad, um, like before she gets her period, she gets really down and depressed mm-hmm. and then like, just like bad thoughts. Um, yeah. so I was looking into the chasberry, um, how do you right. say Vi- Vitex? Tri- very, yeah, Vitex yeah. Um, because I read that it does, you know, help to regulate those hormones. Does it? Yes. Yes. I've yeah. used it in the past. If I'm just taking with a conservative strategy, I'll, I'll use, uh, tell the patient to get a chase berry supplement to regulate the cycle and get it onto a 28 day. If I'm starting with a patient who has no cycle and I really want to jumpstart, I will get them on the chase berry and say, you know what, just go grab it. I don't sell it. Just go grab it from yeah. wherever you can. I recommend Gaia, get it at Whole Foods or online, wherever. Yeah, that's the Start one. Yeah. yeah. And then if we hit a wall with that, then we'll go into herbs. Usually, okay, so getting back to your 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 client or your patient who has really bad uh, PMS or yeah. dysmenorrhea, whatever we would call it. Um, what you're talking about, again, there is like the disharmony between the brain and the reproductive organs, something's going on. So a lot of times what happens is like if a patient uh, estrogen drops and hormone and progesterone surges, uh, that's when I have a patient who has emotional symptoms, I always background check to see if they have a history of trauma. Okay. That's something that needs to be addressed. Let's just be plain and frank and simple with that. We need to resolve that. We need to deal with it. The patient needs to kind of work through it. If they don't have that, then I kind of attribute it to like a progesterone surge, right? Where, you know, you're kind of like in almost like a menopausal state or it's, it's making hot flashes, night sweats, palpitations, anxiety, all these things. And we're looking at like, a, 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 and maybe not detectable by a blood test, but we can see is that there's like a, a, a surge or a hormonal imbalance. And once we kind of like target that, then the symptoms should subside, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Okay. I'll let her know. I'll make sure she listens <laughs> and she's in Jersey. So maybe she should come visit you. Yeah, great. Um, all right. This was a lot of amazing knowledge. Um, Thank you. a lot of, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, I enjoyed listening to all of it. If you want to share with our audience, like where they can find you and you know, how they can book a session with you, all of that. Uh, so AccuHealthNJ is the handle on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, you can also Google Dr. Michael Bayes. It should come up. The company is Acupuncture Health Services. Uh, the number is 732-898-2284 if you want to call directly. 
Uh, I prefer that. I like to get people on the phone and, and, and really, it's really about communication. I don't have a firewall between me and my patients. They, they can text me really at any time uh, in order to, to, I'd rather just get rid of the problem immediately than yeah. deal with it later on. So um, uh, I do have an open door for that. But uh, yeah, Acupuncture Health Services, AccuHealthNJ, that's the social media handle, follow us. Uh, there's a lot of great information on there. I mean, I'm really what it is is community feedback. So people ask me, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'll let you know. Love it. Love it. So definitely connect with uh, Dr. Bass. And thank you for everyone who tuned in. I hope this information was really helpful. If you have any questions, you can message me or the doctor here. So all of the links will be in the show notes and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. For- Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Style Podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like the show, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It's actually the best way to support the show. If you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to Healthy Style Podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or my personal page at Health with Michaela. I'm also offering 30-minute consultations where we can chat about your health and wellness goals and how to achieve them. You can schedule yours by visiting the website healthwithmichaela.com.